Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. and welcome to another episode of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Wright, joined here this morning by Matt LeLoyan. Matt, I noticed you walked a little slower into the office today. Uh, how you feeling uh, yeah. after preaching yesterday and men's retreat on Saturday? Yeah, less injuries from the preaching than from the men's retreat, for okay. sure. The, uh, yeah, it was uh, a really good men's retreat this weekend. Um, just great time with a bunch of guys from our our church community and some folks that are that have been newer to our church. Just getting to connect with them is just really encouraging. Uh, we played some basketball. Some of us did on on Friday evening, and then played some football on Saturday afternoon. Wow! And that's not I've done neither of those two things for a little <laughs> while. So any of the like I, I'll run usually a couple times a week, so I feel like my heart's doing okay. Like my cardio's my shape is all right, but all those like sprints and those cuts fast, and stuff, fast twitch muscles. Those, those hurt a lot. All of those are the ones that I've been mm. feeling for like the last 24 hours. Those stabilizers and fast twitch muscle fibers, man. That's that's the stuff that's hurting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes. and uh, I don't think you're the only one. Let me no, that's I think that's true. I've heard from some guys that that's several guys that that's, that's going on. And I'm mostly, I'm probably 90% of the way back on my voice from where it was last week. So yes. not 100%. Still a little scratchy, little but scratchy. We're, we're getting there. We're getting up there. By next week, hope to be at 100%. Yeah, man. That's encouraging to hear. Sounds like the men's retreat re- went really well. We've got yeah. the, the women's one day coming up uh, on Saturday. Saturday. I'm hyped for that. Awesome planning team. Yeah. So excited and encouraged for hopefully a successful uh, a yeah. women's one day. Absolutely. I don't think we're going to be playing football barefoot no. in uh, in the grass yeah. like my husband did. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a, a good time nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, uh, we've gotten some feedback that we've been going a little long recently, so we're going to try to keep it succinct today, yes. tight we, today, we guys. We have felt that too, just so you just so you know, but, but also have have appreciated the questions you've sent in and tried to give good answers to those. But we're going to do our best to hit yeah. what? What are we aiming for today? Should we say I'm a number? I'm not even going to try to say a number. <laughs> I'm not going to jinx it. We're going to just push on just forward more and, and I love be it. succinct today. Okay. So yesterday, Matt uh, continued our sermon series on the life of Moses yeah. uh, titled The Dry Ground. Yeah. Uh, and you were mostly in Exodus 14 and mm-hmm. 15 yesterday. So why don't you just do a quick big picture, which, by the way, I think you were feeling it yesterday. Mm. You're de- like definitely, uh, I don't know if it was the frailty of mm, your body after playing that. football yeah. and longing for eternity, but mm. I definitely felt like you were like really leaning into the spirit yesterday. Yeah. And even there was a sweet spirit yesterday, second service, that was just really tangible. Yeah. So yep. um, that was encouraging. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you really quickly give us a 90-second big picture? What'd you cover yesterday? Yeah, I even in preparation for the, these this yesterday sermon and the sermon before, I mean, just this this heart of the Old Testament, right? Yep. Exodus 11 through 15, the the way that the Passover anticipates the Lord's Supper, the, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus, the way that crossing through the Red Sea anticipates baptism and is, is this, this, this great act of deliverance that helps us to marvel in the miracle of our own salvation. I just, yeah. I was like really just multiple moments of preparation the last couple of weeks just moved deeply emotionally in that. And so that, that actually happens a fair bit for me that doesn't always connect through to the Sunday morning delivery of a sermon. Mm. Um, 
but yesterday it, it, it really was, I was feeling that as I was preaching yesterday. So I was grateful for that. Yeah. But yeah, we were talking about dry ground yesterday. So really, um, both the, the Exodus and the greater Exodus of Jesus and breaking that down through Exodus 14 and 15 to talk about salvation, uh, the sea and a song. And so salvation kind of snuck like three sub points within there. Yep. Just about how uh, crossing the Red Sea on dry ground uh, points forward to the greater exodus of Jesus. Both what we're saved from, uh, which is slavery and death, uh, who saves us, which is God and God alone, and how we're saved, which is supernaturally through a mediator. Mm-hmm. So that was salvation. Uh, the sea, the Red Sea in particular, the water in the Bible is, uh, on the one hand, a picture of judgment uh, and chaos. And on the other hand, is a picture of cleansing and new life and how we get to see that in this instance at the Red Sea, that at the end of the Red Sea, in this account, every person that was there is either dead, judged by the water, or delivered through the water. Hmm. And how the Red Sea in particular anticipates Christian baptism, all kinds of references in the New Testament to baptism point, that point back to even the crossing of the Red Sea. So... Um, that was the sea. And then a song, uh, Exodus 15 in particular, is the first recorded song in the Bible, the song of Moses, uh, that the people sing together when they have crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground. And so the idea there being that um, saved people are singing people yep. and even giving a, a reason for why we sing together when we gather as God's saved people, as God's delivered people in gathered worship. So that was the, the big picture overview. Um, got some questions that we that I put together that are on that Google Doc for your Bible study groups that go along with even those points. Um, but that's where we were yesterday. Yeah. And again, I think you did a great job uh, yesterday, Matt, and even listened to it again this morning, was encouraged to, I think me too, I, I think... What's fun is Hmm. seeing our people being surprised by, if you've grown up in church a long time, a very familiar story, right? Uh, We're talking about this being the heart of the Bible, really, like this kind of like centerpiece of of this paradigm of what it is to be saved, but also to kind of like work out our salvation in uh, the the echoes you talked about yesterday yeah. of baptism and the supper that yeah. we see on display here. Yep. Um, and man, just encourage you this week to allow yourself to be surprised hmm. by the joy and awesomeness, not just of That's our good. own salvation. You talked about this yesterday, but man, just... How incredible the Bible is. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I've been encouraged by that. I think I saw, I think that's what was you were leaning oh, into for sure. yesterday. For sure. And just the overarching joy of the fact that we get to have God's word mm-hmm. in front of us in our own language. Yeah. And that's nuts, guys. Yeah. Uh, there's still peoples that don't have that. That's right. That's, uh, that's and a great so point. Uh, even that is a miracle that yeah. we can hold on to and celebrate this week. So I just wanted to mention that real yeah, quick. That's really good. Um, so a little bit, let's maybe jump into some of the questions that we have this week to yeah. keep it succinct here. Um, so one of our questioners was leaning into that concept of a saved people mm-hmm. is a singing people. Yeah. Uh, and so they're asking this question, if if song is such a corporate way for groups to join together, why is worship music such a divisive topic? Yes. Yeah. This is a fun question. It's a great question. And it it shouldn't be. Let's just say that way. It's not yeah. the it's not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um it's and actually uh where we are heading mm-hmm. into all eternity, it won't be. There won't be the divisiveness uh, mm-hmm. that comes around singing as a delivered people uh, for all of time. Yeah. It doesn't seem like revelation in that vision of the end that there's like a lot of mm-hmm. uh, nitpicking about style of music yeah. and or, you know, what specific kind of song that we're, that we're singing there. Um, so I would say 
there's a couple reasons. Um, one, maybe an overarching one, is that sin affects everything and corrupts everything. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're people who are affected by sin. And so we, we have a proclivity to choose our preferences, uh, to elevate our preferences to a level of um, moral or ethical yep. value. And say, I because I prefer this style, mm-hmm. specific type of song, therefore that is the best kind of song. Yeah. Um, and we tend to to do that. Like I, I used the, just very briefly yesterday the grid that Paul uses. Psalms, uh, hymns, and spiritual songs. Which is Colossians or where is that? In, in, I'm drawing a blank on where that. I think it's Colossians I think 3. it's Colossians, yeah. But which will be in in the spring. In the spring is our spring. A little teaser for our a spring little series. teaser. But yes, yeah, Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. All three are prescribed. Um we probably prefer certain kinds or certain styles. So um, the sin aspect of it is is elevating preference to a moral kind yeah. of grid, as opposed mm-hmm. to just saying it's a preference. It's yeah. not a it's not a right or wrong kind of thing. The other part that is not related to sin and actually is part of the beautiful diversity of the church That's what is, I was gonna say. and you would know this well from being in missions mobilization mm-hmm. uh, for so long, and anyone that's gotten to travel globally. Man, different cultures and styles have different beauty and diversity. And there's a beauty to it, and there's yeah. a real beauty to it. And one of the incredible things about the gospel is that there's a as much as there is a radical exclusivity, like you cannot become part of God's people except by trusting in the work of a sacrificial substitute. Yeah. Talked about that last week. There's a radical inclusivity and a and not and a non flattening of cultural differences in the kingdom of God yep. that you bring the beauty of the nations and of the various cultures into yeah. the church into the kingdom. Yeah, and so singing is part of that too. And so mm-hmm. there's there's again non moral, non ethical, just differences in stylistic yep. preferences of music and culture that you bring into. So, so all that to say, again, then we take those cultural differences and we elevate them to the place of moral yeah. and that creates division. Yeah, and I, I think that's what happens when we take good things and make them ultimate things. Ultimately, a, yes. we're, we're sliding into idolatry territory when yeah. we do that. When we're misappropriating good things into ultimate things, yeah. we, we get into dangerous waters, even yep. as it relates to worship music. Yep. Obviously, we exercise caution here. We, we don't want to be yep. singing songs that don't have theological depth or yep. accuracy that aren't uh, that aren't being confirmed and conformed to the God's word and the standard yeah. that we have uh, for our, our life and practice. But there's so much wisdom. And I would also say creative freedom totally. here because we, we live in worship uh, a creator God that has given us some creativity in yeah. our image bearing too, Absolutely. which is which is a good thing to, I think, remember Absolutely. in this discussion as well. Um, so pulling back from something very practical, like worship music, Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about the glory of God for a moment. (laughs) So we, we kind of talked about, you talked about this yesterday Mm -hmm. in the fact that we have impossible circumstances in the text before us. So we've got the people of Israel backtracking a little bit. They're pinned basically in the wilderness between Egypt and the sea, the Red Sea. Uh, and you talked about this being a trap. Mm Mm-hmm. But not for Israel. Right. Uh, it looks like a trap for Israel, it but it's not. It ends up being the trap for for Pharaoh and his army. It becomes yeah. the watery grave that we saw yeah. alluded to in a couple yeah. chapters ago. We talked about that with Ben. That's right. Uh, which is 
Oh, man, it's so cool. Again, consistency of scripture, guys. Mm. Marvel at that this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so the questioner is kind of like living in that space a little bit, uh, or at least it seems that they are. Yeah. Um, and so the questioner is asking, can you help clarify this tension between wisdom and opportunity for God's power? Yeah. So God moved his people into a trap position so that he could show himself and receive glory. We, mm-hmm. we see in the text that it's going to, so Egypt will know that he is God and that he will be glorified. So we talked about that yesterday. Yep. So what are ways that Christians should not be wise according to human eyes so that God may be glorified? Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm understanding this question where it's, it's saying there's certain moments that like look completely foolish from a war, from a human standpoint, but they're, they're definitely the stage on which it becomes very evident that it's God who's going to deliver and get the glory for it. And so, Asking in our lives, how do we think about those things of like, should we intentionally be, be, be foolish from the worldly standpoint yeah. so that uh, it, the, the credit and glory goes to God? I think that's a great question. Mm-hmm. I would say for the Israelites, the thing that they had that, that we do not have in the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire was God directly leading them to this location. Very clearly. Very clearly. And that they were... And set, shielding them. And shielding them. Then it moved behind them. confusing the Egyptians. That's a great... And we didn't even get to open up that yesterday in the all. sermon, but that was a great point that then that, yes, yeah. the pillar and the angel of God, which is like, okay, that it's Jesus like, pre-incarnate. Yeah. There's so much stuff great that we didn't get to... Can't even, go... We can't. Oh, no, yeah. We don't have time for that. Oh, it's so good though. But, um, <laughs> but yes, so, so we don't have that same direct pillar of of cloud and fire leading us into the foolish position so that God gets glory. Hmm. So, so in that situation, I think what we do have is to your point earlier, we have scripture, we have what God's revealed. And so maybe an extreme example, um, is God glorified through horrific things that happen in the world like murder? Hmm. Yes. Like murder can happen. It's horrific. It's wrong. And yet, uh, the Genesis 50, 20 kind of grid of that, what, what humanity or what a person intends for evil, God can, can use for good. God yeah. can get glory out of. That doesn't mean that we should, because God can get glory out of murder, we should start like a murder ministry, you know, at Liberty. Like it's a, it's a that would be, Whoa. that would be wrong, right? Yeah. Like that would be, uh, clearly that's an extreme example, but, uh, less extreme than that. We have a grid where, if what we're talking about is, is stepping into things that would be sinful, mm. um, definitely don't do that because even though God can be can and ultimately will be glorified through our sin and, and the way He works that out yep. in, a, in a in a in a way that's ultimately for good, we shouldn't. We still doesn't give us it doesn't liberty mean we to aspire sin. to. It's like what Paul says sin. about like should yeah. we sin more that grace will abound? It's By a, no means, and that's a clear answer to that, right? This person's asking more about the wisdom piece. Mm. And where my mind goes in that is to what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, where he he made an intentional decision to not try to play into this idolatry grid that the Corinthians had about who's the best speaker mm. in the preach-off, yep. you know, in the like, who's the best, who's the best orator, yep. because they their ideas are going to be the wisest. He mm. made an intentional choice to not try to like match to say I'm not eloquent. I'm not eloquent and I'm not going to try to match you. I'm not going to try to come up with a great talk that, you know, Ted talk that matches your Ted talk so that you think Mm -hmm. my God's as good as your God. I'm going to intentionally go counter the idol of your, of your culture, your city in Corinth. So that's maybe a good grid for the wisdom piece to say, Mm -hmm. if, if there's a moment for us to, um, to counteract an idol that exists in the world in a way that our culture would look at as like, that's, that's straight up folly. That's, that's, yeah. that's foolish to live that way. 
but the purpose of living that way is so that in the what in the apparent folly, it becomes evident that the that the real power and glory is God. Yeah, and that would maybe be a way to. And look there at are it. like real practical ways that you can live that out, and in, in mm-hmm. being generous with your time and your resources, uh-huh. right? A, a, in in a in yep. a way that would seem crazy to yep. the people that are around you that aren't aren't followers of Jesus, they wouldn't understand why. Um, And not in a sense of like, you're doing that in like a health and wealth, like, you know, prosperity gospel kind of way. But that is just, I think one example that in our context, we have a lot of affluent people um, that are doing well financially. So how can we think about leveraging those things for the kingdom more generously and having other people in our lives that are looking into those spaces of our lives and making sure that we're we're doing that well, that we're, we're giving in a way that's Sacrificial and good. I love um, that example because you took what I said and made it way more concrete, which yeah. I love. And it's like the that like money is a great one. Yeah. So like you're gonna if you're if you're generous to this to the way that that would give God glory and the kingdom of God yeah. kind of standards, it's gonna look really foolish to a lot of people that mm-hmm. aren't in the kingdom of God. Um, time. Yeah. If you if you if you don't you know max out your schedule with things that benefit you, mm-hmm. and you leave margin in your life in order to step into the lives of people that that you can serve and bless by showing up there. That's going to look foolish to people. Um, Productivity and efficiency, Mm -hmm. taking a Sabbath and actually resting and stopping Mm -hmm. from the work, which is really hard to do even for Christians, um, does not look wise. It's like, well, why would you not do more that you could do on that day? Why would you not take on another house project? Why would Mm -hmm. you not take on another side hustle? Why would you not put your kid in another activity? Yeah. Whatever. Um, That's foolish in the eyes of many, Mm -hmm. but there's a moment there where, God gets glory when you do these things that count combat these yeah. efficiency, money, work. These can all easily be cultural items yeah. for us in 21st century. And then I think the ditch on the other side is being like un- un- maybe putting God to the test. Yeah. What, what do I mean? Like your kid breaks their arm. Yeah. We don't sit there for the fragment of that yeah. uh, breakage yes. to move around in their body, become decrepit, yeah. and just pray and hope that God yes. heals that. Yep. No, we, we take our kids to... To the emergency room, yep. we get X-rays, we get yep. them set. We, if they need surgery, they they yep. get it. There, there's there's natural wisdom that has been dispensed by God through humans, yep. right? Yep. Uh, that is at our disposal. That we're just not mm-hmm. unnecessarily tapping in that because we we want to set up God to do this kind of power dynamic yep. thing that's right. um, that we're expecting. That's a, uh, that's a great that, other. Yeah, that, it reminds me even like yesterday. There's a there's someone in our church who's going through treatment for cancer right now. And their family member came up to me yesterday and said, I'm praying that this scan that, that this person has, which is this week and before the first two treatments, which are a couple weeks out, mm-hmm. um, I'm praying that scan reveals that there's no cancer. Yeah. And I'm like, I will join you in that prayer. And we're going to pray that, that, that would be, there would be a moment miraculously for God to intervene supernaturally and that there would be no cancer that used, that was showing up mm-hmm. on the scans. And that would be incredible. And there would be a glory to God moment in that of like, this is unexplainable from yeah. a natural medicine phenomenon, whatever. Yeah. It's only attributable to God. That would be amazing. At the and same time, he absolutely time, can do that. I want to be clear. Yeah, in my, I, my other ditch. Yeah, totally. And he can, and God can do that. And I hope he does do that. And I'm praying that way with this family, with this individual. At the same time, wisely, rightly, that individual has those appointments scheduled for two and three weeks out. They mm-hmm. didn't cancel those appointments. Yeah. And it's like we're gonna pray that God shows up supernaturally, and we're gonna also exercise all the means of ordinary grace that come through things like medicine that come mm-hmm. through. Um, so I think that's a great example on both sides there. I think yeah. that's, I, thanks for helping 
to make that yeah, more just rounding it that's, out a little bit on, on really, both ends of really things. Good. And I think that's what we're doing here, guys. We we want to make sure that we're equipping you yeah. to drill down into the spaces of application. It's good to yeah. feast in observing and interpreting and understanding. Yep. But we have to continue living this out, working this out. And I think this text does this in a really cool way. Yeah. Um, and so maybe let's transition that way a little bit. One of the ways that we actually enact or live out um, the the reality that we've been changed or saved is is baptism. Yeah. Uh, and you talked about that yesterday, the C being this kind of example or uh, demonstration of the baptism of the whole nation of Israel, yeah. yep. uh, even, and passing from death to life mm-hmm. through the water. Yep. Uh, you know, th- I, this was a really fun, fun point for me. I was even giving you a little bit of a hard time before we got on today. <laughs> um, but why don't we start on one side? We've, we've got uh, two questioners that are really kind of asking about the infant baptism side of things. So we are a church that um, lives in this beautiful tension Mm -hmm. of unity but diversity as it relates to baptism, Mm -hmm. even... You, I'll show my cards. You and I even yeah. disagree on, we on, yeah, on right. we have differing views on, on baptism yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So you talked about the Martin Luther looking back to his salvation, cling, uh, look, clinging to his baptism yeah. yep. as this kind of thing that kind of helps you stand the test of time. Yeah. Um, so, to me, that makes a ton of sense to think about that from a credo perspective. Yeah. The believer's baptism, you you trust uh, faith in Christ, you're baptized upon profession of faith, and that's yeah. your entrance to the covenant people of God. That makes a ton of sense to me yeah. um, because that's my position. I'll show that card. Yeah. But on the flip side of things, our, our two questioners are really asking how does that work with infant baptism? Yeah. Uh, so uh, this even one person is saying, I sometimes struggle with whether I should be baptized again as an adult mm-hmm. uh, who's made a conscious decision to trust and follow Jesus. So one, yeah. what what hope is there for someone that was baptized in as, a, as an infant? Yeah. How, how could they look back to their baptism in that same way? Yeah. Uh, and then two, what about rebaptism? Is yeah. that something that you should pursue That's uh, if you're doubting that a little bit i'm I'm so glad that um that these questions are being asked because this is really this is really good um and it it is a maybe an unexpected application point from an old testament passage it has a lot of bearing on on this new testament sacrament that is baptism um and yeah i love how you set that up too jenna like we we do have this this range within a range we have unity and diversity in our church we encourage people to develop a conviction based on what they understand scripture to teach, but we have a lot of charity and grace recognizing that throughout the history of the church, it's been a complicated uh, interpretive issue, even for those that are rooting their understanding of this in scripture. Yeah. Of how and we're, we're living in this. that tension. And the fact that people are asking these questions shows that it's in great. a cool way. It's really good. So yeah, I, I would say that this has a lot to do with infant baptism as well. Um, the gift of someone that's been baptized based on their own profession of faith mm-hmm. is that they should mostly mostly would have a conscious memory of that baptism. They're yeah. they're of an age where if they're able to make that profession of faith, they're also able to remember yeah, man. their moment of their baptism and they're able to to so when they when they remember their baptism, they're they're remembering the event that they were that they had that conscious memory of and that they went through the waters themselves. And that's me too. Yeah. I, even though convictionally I'm I'm now a, a Pado Baptist uh, I was baptized as a nine-year-old. So I was going to say you get to live in both sides. I get to live in both bit, sides man. a little bit. I'm I'm one whose convictions changed uh, over the course of my life, so uh, which is part of why I have such an appreciation for the the, the convictions that yeah. come from Scripture that are different on that. Um, what I would say is, 
even to use Martin Luther, which is the example I quoted yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, Martin Luther, when he would in the middle of the night be heard crying out, I'm baptized, mm -hmm. is kind of the way of um, him combating the lies and temptations that would come from Satan. Um, Martin Luther um, was not only baptized as an infant, he was Catholic when he was baptized. So he, <laughs> there's even like another level of like, oh, do we accept baptisms across the Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox kind of scheme? There's a whole huge other wave of questions there. But at least for today's purposes, I'll say Luther was one who himself was baptized as an infant. Mm -hmm. And he, he was clinging to his baptism in that moment. So what I would say that the implications are for someone who was baptized as a child, uh, as an infant, uh, where it's and, and the, the theological reason for that is you're including children born to believing parents into the visible community of the church. It's not guaranteeing their salvation, uh, but you're including them into that visible community in the way that um, that, you know, kids, children, everyone was included into mm -hmm. the visible community of the Israelites as they were going through the waters. Right. They were mm -hmm. all like Paul writes in first Corinthians 10, they were all baptized mm -hmm. um, into Christ, where I would say the, the real need for. Convictionally, if you are pedo Baptist and therefore baptize your kids, if you have uh, if you have a child that you did baptize as an infant, based on you as the parents' profession of faith and not theirs, it really it really then falls to you as the primary discipler to help them as they grow up, and especially as they, God willing, come to their own convictions of faith in Christ, to to explain to them that you did baptize them yeah. and why you baptize them in the hope of that future day coming for that they would come to their own faith. Yeah. And even like every time someone is baptized in our church to use that as a, as a, as a, as a jumping off point of conversation, like I would say to my daughters, Hey, so-and-so got baptized today. Hey, do you remember Well, you don't remember, but, <laughs> but I remember when we did that for you as an infant and here's why your mom and I, here's, here's why we did that. Mm -hmm. And now for my oldest two who, you know, by the grace of God have come to profess their own faith in Christ. Um, mm -hmm. Now here's why you um, can can re can remember vicariously through me and also through these pictures and these videos we have from when yeah. we did it that you were baptized as an infant mm -hmm. and that you were included into this visible community of of, of the church of God's delivered people mm -hmm. and now as one who is professing your own faith now you get to also do the on the sacrament of ongoing participation that is communion and what they do have a conscious memory of is the first time that they got welcomed to the table yeah. after they went through our gospel class professed their faith in Christ. Um, so they have maybe the combination of the weekly, I am saved, I am a participant in the Lord's table, um, that, that also relates back to them too. Mm -hmm. And I am baptized, even though it was done before I have a conscious yeah. memory of it. Yeah. And one of our questioners here was really kind of leaning into like that identity, identity formation of baptism, yep. that, that Martin Luther piece, you yep. know, uh, what would you say to that person? Like, w what are we really identifying with mm -hmm. when we, we are, we're, we're feasting in baptism, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what, what is the, the real point of actually looking back to baptism or, or going to your parents if you were baptized as an infant to understand their intent and then, yeah. Uh, you know, the joy of the outflow of, of, yeah. of trusting in Jesus and, and coming to the table. What's the point of looking yeah. back on these things yeah. uh, and finding identity in them in the first place? Yeah, it's really good. It Both baptism and the Lord's Supper have a ton um, of, of reminding us and even participating in our union with Jesus mm -hmm. that we actually, be, you know, by faith are caught up into the saving work that he has done. Yep. Like he has gone through, and even to use this grid, the waters of judgment for us. He's mm -hmm. taken the judgment upon himself so that we can go through on 
proverbial chai ground so that we are not judged by our sin. We come out mm-hmm. from, from death to life without the condemnation, without the judgment. And so that's what we're, we're identified in Christ. That's what our, that's what the sacraments do. They identify us in that finished work of Christ. It, it is counting on our behalf. Yeah. And so that's the real beauty of it is to, and is to help, um, it's to help us as Christians to, to, and even that idea of clinging to it. So mm. here would be the danger particular, this can be true for credo Baptist folks as well that have been baptized based on their own profession. The danger that comes in for, for, for people that were baptized as infants, mm. um, not based on their own profession of faith and depending on how and why your parents chose to baptize you, you can presume that that act of, of water being applied to you as an infant now automatically kind of guarantees that you are in Christ, that guarantees that that is yep. like, now you're saved, you're, you're, that you are spiritually part of the kingdom of God because that, that sign was applied to you. Yeah. And I would say there is a, is a huge difference between presumption and weakness when it comes to clinging to your baptism. So like, mm-hmm. like the way that it, the way the Israelites then, as they, as they come out of Egypt, wander around the wilderness, conquer the promised land, set up the, the you know, you know, the monarchy. Immediately complain. Yeah, they all do that. Well, so they immediately complain. But even fast forward the, through their history, what the prophets, can, when they get to the, the prophetic literature in the mm-hmm. Old Testament, they're, they're always taking issue with the Israelites that they are presuming their identity. Yeah. To your identity question, they're presuming their identity. Like, hey, but we're Israel. Yeah. We're God's delivered people. No, Assyria is not going to conquer us. Uh, Babylon's and, and not going to conquer us. And using that to look down on all the other nations surrounding And it's them. this presumption. Yeah. You even see that in like a Jonah where totally. he's like looking down on the Ninevites. Like, yeah, like who are you to receive are, God's Why would you be, why would someone like you ever be received into this? Yep this thing and so if if baptism and maybe particularly infant baptism is ever presumptive like Hmm. i'm therefore presuming upon god he is now obligated to do this for me anytime you anytime you apply the words god is obligated to Hmm. you should probably rethink the statement that you just made (laughs) like it's a yeah and so i would say what luther was doing in this moment was not presuming he was there's a difference between presumption and weakness mm. and to cry out to God in weakness and to say, no, I know who I am by the grace of God. I'm baptized. I'm included into this, yeah, into yeah. this covenant that God has made. I, I am God's saving work counts for me. Mm. That's what he was crying out in the middle of the dark night of the soul. Yeah. That's very different than presuming and saying, no, because, because that <laughs> act was done to me, I'm in, yeah. like I'm in regardless of my faith at this moment, regardless of, yeah. And I think that that's a helpful counterbalance because they're the, the looking back to something like baptism or even the continual coming to the table each week, yeah. the, the goal of looking back in, in Christianity on this side of the cross is always looking back to identify with the object of the, yeah. the salvation right. of the work in baptism, in that's the right. supper, um, and with the intent of not staying in that, ob- mm-hmm. like, but pushing out toward what totally. is to come? What is the outflow of this? What is the joy of this? What is the, the response of this? Why do we sing? Because we're singing, anticipating yep. something, That's right? We're, we're, we're anticipating this scene in uh, Revelation that yeah. you kind of talk, you talked yeah. about at the end. It's We're never meant to just remember to just live there. Yep. Uh, we're, we're meant to remember to look back, to yep. identify it in Christ and to outflow, to yeah. experience a tangible hope of something that's not seen yet or fully realized yet. That's good. That's really uh, good. And I think sometimes we miss that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's so intangible mm-hmm. sometimes. Like we, we don't yep. have the concreteness of that to really fully yeah. do that and apply that in our lives. Yep. But, but Christian 
know that mm-hmm. actually that's where your real hope is, is found in on yeah. this side of the cross. We're, we're looking yeah. toward a day when yeah. all things are going to be made right. And we keep talking about this, but yeah. like the Exodus is teaching us something about that. Israel waited 450 years. Yeah. Yep. Long time. And we're in a season of waiting and mm-hmm. of, of anticipation for Christ to come back. And if yeah. we can't find hope outside of what's before us, if we can't be pushed out of this work of what God has done mm-hmm. and identifying ourselves with him as the object of what is done. And you said this yesterday, salvation yeah. is God's work and God's work alone. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we, we just live there in the mm-hmm. past mm-hmm. without being pushed into uh, being obedient in the present, but out of the present into the joy and hope and yeah. anticipation of the future, yeah. then, man, we're, we're going to be joyless and no fun yeah. people. No, that's right. That's really um, good. We're like the Israelites that yeah. had just walked across the sea and immediately are complaining and yeah. forgetting what God has done. Yeah. Um, I think that's just like a helpful oh, yeah. mindset or framework to bring into our Bible Absolutely. studies as we're talking about these things in this beautiful tension of, man, how do we help each other look ahead? Ahead. Look back to look ahead that's because right. that's that's what we're doing. That's right, uh, and that's the whole point of rehearsing these yeah. things, of practicing these yep. things, yep. Um, and the echoes of what we see in the supper and baptism here yeah. is who knew that you yeah. could even go here yeah. in, in this, that's really, this text. That's really good. I think that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Really quickly, you did not touch on rebaptism. Yeah, so let's talk about that. maybe let's talk about that really fast to kind of close our loop on our questions for this week. Yeah. So. This question, this person asked, is there, if you've been baptized as an infant, is there a benefit or need to be baptized as an adult? I would say need, no. I would say definitively no. And in most cases, um, I would not encourage people to be rebaptized if they've been baptized as an infant. I think there's a, um, really what we see in the sacraments is that baptism replaces circumcision as the sign of entrance into the people of God. And Some the Lord's. People say that. <laughs> and the Lord's <laughs> Supper replaces Passover as the sign of ongoing participation, right? This like ongoing, I'm, st- I'm, I'm still part of the people of God. I'm in an ongoing way participating. So the, the sign of entrance would be something you do once. Yeah. Uh, the sign of ongoing participation is something you do often and regularly, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where we see that idea. Um, I think it matters a lot. And hopefully parents that are faithfully discipling and involved in their kids' lives on the day, God willing, on in the time that they do come to have their own ability to proclaim their own faith, their own recognition of like, oh, I actually do believe these yeah. things. I'm not just growing up in that environment and around these things. That that they are able to also help them in that moment look back and say, we baptized you mm-hmm. in the hope of this this very day. Yeah. Um. And then and then to make a really big deal of the first time they get to come to the table mm-hmm. to celebrate that too. Like now you're doing this based on your own proclamation of faith. Yeah. And there's all kinds of reasons why. You know, why I would be a Pado Baptist, but not a Pado communion guy. So there's like a whole side thread to maybe run mm-hmm. after there. What I would say is there are a lot of people who, for a variety of reasons, were baptized as infants. And maybe that was just empty ritual, completely just like almost like a superstitious kind of thing, even like their mm-hmm. parents knew they like my parents were, like had no active faith in Christ at all. But we're kind of like, they did it. I think I'm supposed to do, to do this because maybe it like cleanses my kid from original sin or maybe it like guarantee it obligates God to save them or whatever. Yeah. I'm just supposed to do this as like a good moral person that lives in mm-hmm. America and kind of has this ancient, you know, heritage that's this faith yeah. or whatever. Um, so 
there's reasons in that in that venue. I would say still, is there a need to? Do you have to? No. no. And part of even as but there is some freedom. There's in, freedom in diversity in, in making that decision. The reason you don't need to is because salvation is God's work and God's alone. Mm-hmm. And there is um, the sovereignty of God in salvation means that, that that the sacraments, baptism is still like all of our salvation, always more about God's work than it is about ours. Yeah. So it's not like, hey, guess what? I'm smarter than you. I'm professing my faith in Christ now. It's like even a yeah. credo Baptist is doing it, saying, "Look what God has done." Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. Um, look what God has done, and so. Um, is there a need to No, because God is sovereign and because that sign has been applied to you as long as it was done with water in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit. I think there's reason to look back and go, and God was sovereign in drawing you to mm-hmm. himself. Um, can it be beneficial if what, if that scenario that I was describing is yeah. true, is there freedom in that? Yes. I would, I, I always like to just have a good conversation with people about that. Mm-hmm. Um, if their parents, uh, were faithful Christians trying to help them understand the things of God. Yeah. Then it also, uh, it probably always is good if this is possible to have a conversation with your parents to honor them. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially so if they were trying to help you grow to know the things of Jesus, always have that conversation with them and even try to understand why they baptized you. Even if your convictions mm-hmm. as an adult have changed. Yeah. Um, and I think there are times in co- in conscience when Christians' convictions change. That's what I was going to say. That they that they are like, okay, I know I was baptized as an infant. My convictions actually now are like that I probably shouldn't have been, uh, based on how I understand Scripture to teach, and I would like to be baptized again. And so we we have done that, yeah. Um, because because we are trying to care for people in their conscience, but we also. You know, I especially want to say you do not need to, and here's why. Yeah. And then let's talk about what why the reasons maybe would be helpful yeah. or beneficial. And I think that's a helpful con- a helpful contrast there, and I think the the conscious piece is exactly what I was thinking about. We wouldn't want someone to violate that conscious that is coming out of like godly conviction. Yeah. Yep. And if that's measured and well thought out and intentionally uh, defended, I would say mm-hmm. by the word of God and the journey that you've been on, like man, there there is grace in yeah. in conversations about that and, and a lot of joy. Uh, and I yeah. would even encourage you if you're asking these questions, yeah. man, bring these to your group. I've had some fun questions yeah. with the people in my Bible yeah, study absolutely. about baptism and questions of how we even talk about the table each week. Because yeah. we, we say this, right? If you uh, are, you know, like if baptized, you if you put your faith and, in yeah, Jesus, yeah. like these two things together, yeah. coinciding together, because yeah. we see these things as the, the means by which we are participating in our local congregation of believers, yeah. man, like, Bring those questions. We're yeah. excited about those questions. These questions are fun and yeah. uh, in- encouraging for us to kind of throw around with each other totally. in in these groups. And maybe um, one maybe one practical note to just kind of share for for those of you who have adult children, teenage or adult children, maybe especially adult children who are out of your home. This yeah. Question. Um, if you've well, what hope is yeah. what hope is there for parents mm. that are struggling if yeah. they baptized their kids yep. or they dedicated their kids and they've yep. walked away from the faith or they've never trusted Christ? Yep. Like what hope is there for those parents in their own baptisms, but yep. even the act of yep. consenting to baptism for their own their own kids? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there there will be sorrow for any parent whose child is not walking faithfully with Jesus, regardless of their conviction about baptism. Yeah, man. Um, and so if if someone coming from the more pedo from the pedo baptism conviction that they did baptize their 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 infant as a you know as an infant, um, the the danger would be to like then 
have that presumption and say, mm-hmm. because I baptized my kid, God is therefore obligated to save them. Um, I do think you are clinging to the promises of God, the way that Peter describes that in Acts chapter two, that like I've applied this mm-hmm. in the same way that this is, of course, where these debates all kind of go to is continuity, discontinuity. But in the yeah. same way that the Israelites applied circumcision to their eight day old male babies, um, independent of any faith they had to include them into the promises of God. You are clinging to the promises of God and the way that you raised your child to include them in the, the visible community of mm-hmm. the church. And I think you cry out in not presumption and weakness, God save my child, like be faithful to, yeah. to bring that promise that you made to me through me to my child, yeah. bring, be faithful to carry that promise through. I think you cry mm-hmm. out in weakness to God. He's not obligated, but you cry out in weakness with hope. Yeah. That because that he God is faithful, God loves to work generationally. You cling to that really hard mm-hmm. without presuming that God is obligated to do it. Yeah. Um, and then I think on the other side, maybe to the same community, I'm talking a lot to my to my fellow pedo conviction folks in this one. Hmm. But um if you are if you are someone who has raised your child, you baptize them as an infant, you raise them faithfully, you taught them about why you baptize them, and when they become an adult, their convictions change, they become credo baptist. I know a handful of folks in our church that that's Whoa. their story, right? That's their story. And I would say, um, the waters are warm. You might, you might have a, uh, you might have a sorrow about that as a parent that, that really did, I think, do that infant baptism the right way. Like it wasn't an empty rote ritual. It wasn't superstitious. It was, yeah, you were just faithfully trying to disciple your kid. If, if your child as an adult chooses to, it has a different conviction, chooses to get rebaptized, um, fight the urge to take that personally. Fight the urge to kind of see that as a failure on your part that you yep. somehow and and actually heard a, a friend of mine who this is true for his adult children huh. who were baptized again uh, as based on their own conviction based on their own profession of faith the way he framed it was um, you know if like if that's their rebellion and like they're gonna like choose to follow Jesus and just have a different conviction about baptism like I mean I'm okay praise with that. God they're taking <laughs> yeah. their own yeah. salvation like, yeah. and. Like I'm okay what, with that. Yeah. Like, like, don't write your kid off hmm. for a, for a whole host of reasons, but don't write your kid, adult child off for that. Like, yeah. it, it's it man, it'd be I will be rejoicing if my child as an adult says, "Hey, my convictions have changed. Um, I'm going to choose to get baptized now based on my profession of faith." I'll be probably hmm. somewhat sad because their conviction isn't exactly mine, but like I'll zoom out of that real quick and go. Man, praise God that my kid wants to follow Jesus as yeah. an adult. <laughs> and they're out of my home and they're on their own. And that's the choice they're and, making. And like, they I'll, still want to do yeah, that. Uh, and they like their faith is their own yep. and they're living that out in convictionally in their own lives and their own families and they're and yep. man, like that's joyful and awesome. Yep. But like on the other side of that, like yep. there's a lot of sorrow. So I, I, yeah. I think I wanted to speak to that. We have a lot of folks in our congregation that are wrestling with that. Oh, like sure. younger kids that have not yet embraced the gospel, mm-hmm. but then on the flip side, older children that have left their own homes and are not following Jesus. Yeah. And I would just encourage our, our community to be a safe place yeah. for that grieving to happen. That's good. Uh, I've experienced that with my own parents. Yeah. Uh, I've, I have siblings that aren't Christians and, yeah. and, and even just talking that through with my own mom and dad of, of just that, that kind of devastation of, of feeling like a failure as yep. a parent. Um, yep. and obviously I have nothing to contribute to that conversation. Yep. Not a parent. Yeah. Um, but even just, you know, in the trenches of encouraging my own mom and dad, mm-hmm. Hey, like, look at, look, look, 
you didn't fail. Like, yeah, yeah, you you did things imperfectly, but man, like I'm falling after Jesus. Like you gave me the space to do this process and, and, and there's sorrow intermixed with that, but man, like be present in the people in your lives, uh, in your groups and, and give people a real space to, to grieve that without judgment. That's good. Uh, I think that's just really helpful to be thinking of, especially since we're a multi-generational congregation, becoming, I think, even more so, uh, embracing that identity of of having touches across generations and recognizing that there's different constraints in these different seasons. But the joy of these things that we do week in, week out, and even in baptism and these things that we're given uh, to the local church to actually enact uh, an outflow of our salvation yeah. uh, in the work that God has done, yeah. man, like there's a, there's a myriad of experiences and joys and sorrows that we yeah. get to carry with each other as we do those things in community, That's which really is good. awesome. We That's get to really carry good. that into our Bible studies as we go. Yeah. Um, with that, Matt, I think we've, we've tackled all of our questions for yeah. the week. Is there yep. any final thoughts or anything to, to kind of conclude that you would want to leave the, the folks with? No, I think, um, yeah, I, I think there's a, um, like the, the way we've laid them out in the Bible study application questions that are on that Google Doc, I think that'll maybe give you some good jumping off points for your groups. Um, if your group is, you know, um, newer, especially if you've never done this with your group, if there's a way, whether it's in a group meeting or sometime outside of that over the, the weeks or months ahead to be able to even share some of your stories of how mm-hmm. you came to faith in Christ and that idea of how, how do we marvel at the miracle that is our salvation? Mm-hmm. Like the way that the Israelites are marveling at this miracle, this supernatural yeah. deliverance. That can just be real, a real gift too. So just maybe to put that bug in your ear, like yeah. if you get a chance to really, it really does, um, it really does do something for a depth of love and care for each other to know more of where people are coming mm-hmm. from. So if that's not something you've never gotten to do with your Bible study group and you could fit that in somewhere, maybe even like, you know, this series is going to end when we hit Advent, but maybe like sometime in December or January when we're kind of in between Bible study groups. If you want to go ahead and put something on the calendar to get together yeah. and it's maybe more like, let's share some of our stories and let's like, let's rejoice in the miracle that is our salvation together. Yeah. That could be a great additional thing to pursue. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really, really helpful. And even I, this is kind of tongue in cheek, but should we have baptism parties instead yes. of birthday parties? <laughs> that's awesome. I, I know people that talk about their spiritual birthdays. You know? They, yeah. I don't know. That's maybe right. there's that's something the, to that. That's a little tongue that. in cheek. Maybe maybe that's silly and weird, but I'm all for uh, yeah. anytime you can celebrate something. Anytime I, you I, can I enjoy a good gathering. I wouldn't say I party. I think that's great. I would be all for baptism parties. I'd be all for them. Uh, we're going to get Mike Schiff on that. Yes. He'll plan those bad. No, I'm kidding. Party Just planner. Parter planning. <laughs> Mike Schiff. Uh, my Baptist brother in arms. That's right. That's right. Uh, all jokes aside, Matt, I think this has been a really fun conversation. Yeah. Brother, thanks for yeah, yeah, thank uh, you. even uh, taking some unity and diversity quips yeah. for me uh, today. Uh, and folks, thank you again for all of your questions, man. We've mm. been really encouraged that you're wrestling with these texts, that you're you're really feasting in what God is doing here yeah. uh, in, in the Exodus story, in the life of Moses, and, mm. and what that means for us as we live this day in, day, day out. Uh, mm-hmm. With that, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the B-Side Podcast. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We do. We'll see you next week. Have a great week, guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side Podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.